Welcome to Don't Box Me In, the show that features conversations with people from all walks of life, talking about their extraordinary experiences and inspirational messages. Now, here's your host, Lana Reed. Greetings, greetings, and salutations. I am your host, Lana Reed, and this is Don't Box Me In. I'm so excited about today's show because I get to spend space and time with an incredible woman who has an amazing life story. Just to give you an idea of how wonderful she is, let me list her accolades. She is Oprah's Ambassador of Hope, a 2013 International Book Awards finalist, the 2013 and 2009 National Indie Excellence Award winner, a 2009 International Book Awards finalist. She's on the list of 20 Outstanding Women You Should Know, and I could keep going on. It is with pleasure that I welcome award-winning author and motivational speaking, Morella, uh, speaker, excuse me, Morella Scott, to the show today. Morella, thanks for hanging out with me on Don't Box Me In. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, you know, Morella, I always like to start out uh, with my guest beginning. And so that audience can appreciate how far their life has evolved. So I just want to start off uh, with with young Morelli, if we can. You have uh, quite a few siblings and a father with an impressive resume. Am I understanding that correct? Absolutely. Um, I actually grew up, I have five brothers, and my father was recruited right out of college with five children and one on the way um, by the CIA and IBM simultaneously. So back in that era, it was quite an impressive feat for him to uh, work that hard to get that acknowledgement. And yeah. uh, with that being said, um, behind closed doors, it was a different story. My mother, who was absolutely beautiful and talented and a great mom, um, was beaten terribly, mm-hmm. as were my elder brothers. And and um, it was quite a volatile situation, a lot of abuse, a lot of pain, and it evolved from there. So that's where my story begins at the age of five and going forward. Age of five. So you mentioned that your father graduated from college, but you guys were already, some of the kids were already in place um when you graduated from college? Oh, five of us were, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So um, you might have been too young to remember, but did, did the abusive relationship start while he was going through college, or did it something happen like afterwards? No, it happened while he was in college. At that time, you know, I don't make excuses for abuse ever, but it was mm-hmm. prevalent in a lot of households, and that's part of the mm-hmm. reason the book is called In Our House, Perception versus Reality. While the mm-hmm. perception is one thing, the reality behind closed doors is often another. And with my father, um, you know, he had a lot of situations, discriminations, pressures, and things like that. He couldn't take it out or chose not to take it out in the outside world. So when he came home, that's where he did. He released it, his anger and frustrations. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, just from, uh, I don't know the difference in age bracket, but I remember a lot of my, you know, uncles and grandparents, you know, the theme that was expressed to the children is what happens in our home stays in our home. And you don't. Absolutely. You don't talk about that when we walk outside this house. So, you know, we might have been in the same sort of era. And, you know, the consequence of that is, you know, a lot of dysfunctional things have the opportunity to happen. But, you know, the kids are taught not to say anything about it. So, yeah, totally understand that. Um, so you were five years old when you can recall uh, the abusive uh, relationship starting. How do you recall it starting out? Well, you know, it began with a lot of yelling, pushing, shoving and insults towards one another. And then it progressed quite naturally from there because once you get past that stage, nothing good is going to come unless that's resolved. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I watched it progress very intrinsically, almost as if it was just destined to happen that way because Mm. um, when you respond with negativity 
uh, to negativity with negativity, what's going to mm-hmm. happen? It's going to become explosive, which it did. And then mm-hmm. the fights broke out. And over a period of time, they kept, you know, mounting and mounting until they were worse. And I watched my mother having her teeth knocked out, her you know, eyes blacked, and my brothers were beaten. Um, mm. My second eldest brother was beaten so badly that he actually had to be dumped into a tub of ice water to be revived. Mm. So wow. watching these things and taking all this in, as you can tell, it's not a healthy environment. No, no. And, you know, we always ask when we hear these types of stories, um, especially in a family so large, you said there was... I think six of you guys. Six of us, yeah. Six. Of, you you always wonder uh, teachers, the neighbor next door, you know, an aunt that comes to visit. Um, was somebody noticing what was going on within the family? Well, you know, that's one of the things that I talk about um, when I speak is that people notice. You know, they do mm-hmm. because you can't avoid. How do you you not notice a woman with a black eye wearing glasses mm-hmm. in her home if you come to the door? And these things were were quite prevalent and occurred often. But even the teachers and everyone, my father was so powerful in the community that it was never addressed. It was very mm. lightly, like Dad was able to say, you know, with so many boys are always fighting with one another, and that mm. was he had a retort, a very quick retort for everything. Mm, so mm-mm. it was never paid attention to. Even when social services, mom called them to come in the house, you know, he had a you know excuse for that. Everything was covered up. So mm. it quite it made her look almost as if she were unstable or making it up. But uh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. You know, yeah, very powerful uh, situation. And, you know, that brings me to another point. Usually when children grow up in uh, these kind of uh, this kind of dysfunction with abuse and stuff like that, um, it has the opportunity for um, a cycle to start because the child feels that this is normal. You know, this is what I'm growing up in. This is what I know. So this must be right because my mother and father, you know, they love me. They wouldn't be doing anything that would be wrong. Um, did you at any point in time or your brothers at any point in time, you know, just have this inside feeling like, wait a minute, something's not right here? Well, you know, the first time I saw my mother's um, face meet my father's fist and mm-hmm. the blood that came out of it, I knew that was wrong. Even okay. in hearing the way they spoke, the dialogue with one another and communications that were unhealthy exchanges, I knew something was wrong. But as a child, you don't know what to do about it. Mm-hmm. And as I grew older and I recalled all those incidents that, that um, took place in our home, it took us from that layer to another layer. There's actually something that you know occurred in our house that's described in our book that is quite horrific that came out of the abuse. And so... You know, I made a choice. I had to make a conscious choice that this wasn't going to be my destiny. It wasn't my life. That was their life. That was their choices. Mm-hmm. And I had to remove myself from that cycle. It was a conscious choice that I made because I refused to make excuses for what my father was doing. I saw what was wrong, and I only wished that my mother would have left him and could have seen it. Okay, okay. Now, you did mention that you're, you're, at one point in time your mother called social services. Were there other opportu- uh, other instances of her reaching out for help and, and trying to get her kids away from the situation? Absolutely. She she called the police, came to our home. Um, they overlooked everything again because of the error. It was like, well, look how successful he is. You should be happy to have a man like this. Mm-hmm. So it was always mm-hmm. overlooked. And even with the teachers that knew something was going on, they would kind of like they were – more lax in school with us and kind of understanding in a way like that, but they'd never intervene. Um, the teachers wouldn't come. They wouldn't. One time we had a teacher that called and said, hey, you know, he's he's um, coming to school with a lot of bruises and whatnot. Dad explained it away, and it was done. So, you know, Mom did everything she could, including fighting back, and she mm-hmm. did everything she could to protect us. But after a while, if your family is not supportive to help remove you from that situation 
or you don't go to a shelter, and shelters weren't that prevalent back then, mm-hmm. you look at what options do you have when people are telling you, even your, your you know, pastor, your minister saying, go back home, he's a good man, work it out. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so part of the problem is, again, is we're told what goes on behind closed doors stays behind closed doors. And now here we are, decades later, when I'm living in a world that so many people are medicated simply for the fact that they suppressed a lot of feelings True. that they took in over the years because they didn't talk about it. When you tell someone not to talk about it, where does it go? It stays within them, and it causes tremendous problems if they allow it to. So, you know, it's not... A lot of emotional distress that builds up over time. A lot of, a lot. You know, and um, I'm not sure, where do you, and as far as your brothers are concerned, where do you fall in? Are you like the youngest? No, I have two younger, three older, so I'm kind of in the middle. Okay, you're in the middle. So uh, that brings, my next question is, you mentioned your your mother trying to do something. Was there a time where either your older brothers or whatever, one of the the boys or maybe you even kind of like tried to intervene or, you know, stand up to dad and, you know, we're not going to take this anymore? Well, you know, dad was was quite powerful and we were all afraid of him, um, okay. <laughs> extremely <laughs> afraid of, of, of him, especially when he was in that state of mind. However, it's, it's outlined in my book. Is, and I'm, it's interesting you ask that because there was one time, and mm-hmm. only one time that I recall that my father was um, beating on mom terribly and I couldn't take it anymore. And I went mm-hmm. to my brothers and I said, there's, there's six of us. We can take it. <laughs> you, know, there's six, you get six one leg, us. you get the other leg. We exactly, can do this. Exactly. <laughs> You're right. You guys can be down. We can do this. And they looked at me. They're like, look at him. You know what he does to us. And, you know, do you need to be reminded? Look what he's doing to mom. So yeah, I went okay. to the hallway and opened the cabinet and they had, um, we had a, vacuum cleaner but it had the long pole to it mm-hmm. and i pulled the pole off the vacuum and i went into the room and i hit him over the head with it and uh oh my gosh my brothers you know i was terrified after i hit him i was <laughs> it was kind of like one of those things like they were right you knew it but i didn't yeah. care i just wanted her to know that i loved her so much i was gonna do whatever and he, uh-huh. and he it was the end of that right there but my brothers <laughs> rushed in and they they jumped on him and and they were beaten badly for it but we wow. all fought and that's the only time we ever ever did that <laughs> Ever, but wow. we tried. We tried, and um, wow. yeah. But it yeah. was something and that, 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 that you know. Speak- you- then not to cut you off, that speaks to the overwhelming amount of mental and emotional control that one man in a household had on an, a, a, a numerous amount of people. I mean, because clearly there was more of you than him. And, you know, it, that just speaks volumes to the, the amount of emotional uh, pressure that he had uh, or control he had over the, all of you guys. Oh, the fear was tremendous. Even a look that he could cast would, would make you back away. And you knew mm-hmm. it without speaking a word. He never had to speak. But, you know, you take in, in, into your heart, into your mind, everything that went on on a regular, you know, basis in that home, it, it instilled in you over a period of time, and it breaks you, whether you re- realize it or not, that you're broken, it breaks you. And it did, I think, to a great degree, a lot of us. And mm-hmm. so especially watching it having happened to mom. But mm-hmm. that, you know, it didn't break me to the degree that it made me give in or ever allow anyone to, to lay their hands on me the way my father did my mother. And, you know, it opened her up to more problems, which were catastrophic and devastating, you know, devastating to her life. But... I made choices from it. It taught mm-hmm. me there were lessons in that pain. And that's what we need to take away. We can't always change those circumstances and stay in a negative state and remain victimized by our past. It's mm-hmm. up to us to turn around and say, you know what? 
Don't box me in. I'm out of there. <laughs> there you go. I love it. I love it. You know, a lot of people like to, you know, just lay down when, you know, life kicks them in the gut and said, you know, oh, um, you know, this and this happened to me. I'm never going to overcome. And, you know, they just wallow in it. And, you know, I try to tell people all the time that, you know, you have a choice. You know, it's it's by your concerted effort that you can make some changes in your life. You know, um, you don't have to accept what happens to you so you you can get up and plug at it and fight at it and make your life better but you know a lot of times people want to wallow in life circumstances so you know i think it's just a beautiful thing that you have evolved now quickly before we go to break um since there are six of you all together and and you are so impressive and and you've come out of the the tragedy um and and not to pry into the personal lives of your siblings has everybody recovered well or are some of you guys still struggling you know, I think um, that's a good, that's a very good question. We have recovered, but the memory of it has affected us. Even mm-hmm. though you can recover from things, that memory has already left its imprint on your life and affected you in, in some of us in negative ways. But for the most part, we are all thriving and doing well. Good so it's stuff. Just the emotional aspect, you know, it just it was very traumatic. And, and like I said, there were other layers on top of the abuse that took it to a different level. And when people read it, they're just blown away at the horror, and they don't see how we could ever um, offer forgiveness. But it was what I had to do. Okay, okay. With that, we're going to take our first break of the day. Stay tuned. Uh, we'll be right back. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, hello. Welcome back. I'm talking to a wonderful, wonderful woman today, Miss Morella Scott, author of In Our House, Perception Versus Reality. And before the break, we were um, she was sharing with us uh, some of her childhood growing up and um, the trauma that happened in the family there. Um, there was a point in this story, um, hopefully a glimmer of hope, but it ended up not being a glimmer of hope. Your mother did find a way to uh, escape your father's wrath, so to speak. Can you share with us more of that? Actually, she didn't. Um, unfortunately, she was seeking one, but she never found one. Gotcha. And that's what was um, traumatic, is that you, when you see a woman that has so much love and passion for life and her children, her family, and her husband, to be held captive to that, uh, pretty much for the rest of her life because mm-hmm. once you have that and you go through that kind of trauma and that kind of abuse, number one, it never goes away. It never leaves you, the mm-hmm. memory of it, what's going on. And she was battered and beaten so bad that it took her to another state. She was seeking um, another level of pain, looking for support. She got involved in something that she couldn't have, couldn't have even seen that further obliterated her because mm-hmm. of everything that was going on. But it's 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 kind of like... um. You know, I tell people when you're involved in something and it's not healthy, you know it's not healthy. Mm-hmm. Walk away from it while you can because sometimes you, you won't have that opportunity. And uh, mom never got the opportunity to do so. Okay, okay. So your mom got involved in a, uh, something that was more toxic than the marriage with, her f- with your yes. father. Um, and I guess I'm going to assume that as a consequence, the children got sucked into that as well, correct? Absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Wow. You know, that's kind of one of the things is that parents need to understand that the choices that you make, you may think sometimes it's a good one, but you really need to analyze it because what you go through, because we love our parents, we're pulled into it. One way or mm-hmm. another, we're affected by it. And then we have to take that with us into our adult lives. You know, mm-hmm. so it's something to consider. Yeah. Wow. And 
you know, I, I guess as a child, just watching, you know, you know, your mother that you love going through all of this, you know, your father that you love being the cause of a lot of this. I mean, that's just that's just a lot emotion uh, for for anybody to deal with. Did you moving forward, you know, leaving the house and everything? Did you feel like some of this this weight you still carried around with you? You know, once you leave, I don't think you ever let go of it. But it was a journey that I had to take to learn how to lessen the load because I carried a lot of negative luggage, a lot of hate, anger, and those emotions. They were actually, although I I never went through and allowed a relationship to lay hands on me or anyone would never Mm -hmm. touch me. I wouldn't allow it. And I learned that from watching what happened. And Mm -hmm. I learned not to treat anyone that way. The emotional um, damage that was done. And so I didn't trust anyone. I didn't want to be around people that much. I was a bit of a loner. And so okay. it affected me that way. And I had to learn how to put complete faith and trust in God and recreate myself because of that life, how I grew up and how I began. That was my childhood that I was born into, but it wasn't my destiny. And once sure. I realized that wasn't my destiny, it was an episode of my life and something that actually had to happen because it helped shape me into a stronger, better, wiser person. Although it devastated my mother, it actually helped us as children because we learned from it. We learned a lot of things of what not to be, what not to do, even from our father, what not to mm-hmm. do, what not to do. Although both of them had good characteristics, we took the good things and we left the bad behind. But it's a okay. journey that you have to look at and say, whatever happens in your past, no matter what the history is and how damaging and painful it is, and mine, people can't even believe that I made it out of that house <laughs> with what happened. I yeah. say to you, if... I can do that and overcome adversity that way. Mm-hmm. Can there's ways to do it, but you have to make a choice to do it and stop being a victim. Because when something happens and it's history, it's just that it's history. It's over. You can't change it. But what you can work towards changing is who you are. Change your mindset and change your future. True. True. Good pointers. Good pointers. Um, curious. Mom and dad are still with us, or no? No. No. Okay. Okay. Did did they stay together the whole time, or did oh. she ever leave him? No, no. Um, what happened was actually very tragic, so I really don't want to give that away because okay. people are reading okay. this book like a firestorm, but it shows and tells and reveals what happened. And no, they're no longer together because both of them are deceased, but um, what happened is, is really, it's so shaking. So. Okay, okay, all right. Respect that. Now, um, since you say that uh, neither neither one are with us now, um was it emotional conflicting or whatever especially when your father passed was there was it you know, was it easy go ahead well when you, when you raise your alert, the way i was taught is that you love your mother and your father all the days of your life mm-hmm. and i did that both of them regardless of what happened and so yes you know losing a parent under any circumstances if you truly love them it's painful and mm-hmm. so it's very hard because some of it is because there are no resolution. You know, you don't have that resolution that you're seeking. And some of it is because of a loss. And I look back at, wow, you know, life should have been like this. It should have been another way. However, mm-hmm. you know, years after, we were able to reconcile a lot of things. So I had peace with him. We had peace with one another at the time of his passing. And, and uh, unfortunately, um, I didn't get to have that with mom. Okay. Okay. So there was never a time, you know, as the kids left the house and grew and started their own families that dad came back and said, you know what, I'm sorry for what I did. Well, you know, I really don't think people understand in, in, in society that people typically 
don't do that, sometimes it's because not out of hate or malice or anything other than the fact that they really don't think they did anything wrong. You know, gotcha. time goes by, sometimes they just think um, that it's over, it happened, it's past, it's history, which is true, true, and true. Yet, the scars are still there. They're still mm-hmm. there. They forget what they did to us. And so, how can you be angry and not forgive someone, ask for forgiveness, and, and, and say, okay, you know what, I forgive you, it's over. It doesn't mean you accept what happened. It doesn't mean mm-hmm. they're off the hook so they can go do it again. It means you are no longer going to allow that person to hold you emotionally hostage, which is what I did. So, even though the apology, you know he never said that, I didn't never expect him to. I never okay. expected him to. Okay, okay, okay. Understood, understood. Now, you mentioned briefly before that, um, you know, moving away from the situation of growing up, that you did have some relationships, and you mentioned that nobody ever did put their hands on you, which is an amazing thing in itself. Um, but you did also say that you dragged some baggage to your relationships. Um, do you feel that's why none of those, before you started to heal, do you feel that's why none of those, none of those relationships were successful? It was because of the damage caused by your childhood experiences? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I tell men and women that all the time. I'm like, if you have something in your past that is unresolved, you really need to be alone so you can resolve it. You that's need true. to either, A, you know, um, have a relationship, build your relationship with God or wherever your faith may lie, or go mm-hmm. to counseling or work on it, work on it diligently, because if you don't trust someone, and you, or you have no respect for people, or you, whatever the case may be, you're angry, you have hate, you have rage inside of you, do you really want to take that into a relationship? Do you really think that's going to work? It's impossible mm-hmm. for it to work, because you know why? It's impossible for you to love someone when you have so much of those negative emotions depressing mm-hmm. where you really need to be. So it's better to work those things out, work within yourself, correct the issues, and then move on when it when you feel it's gone. Because I carried so much luggage, I knew I needed to be by myself. I was as volatile as my father was <laughs> emotionally, you know, because if somebody would turn and say something to me, you know, those were, it was just negative. It brought up a lot of, depending on what it was said, what was said, mm-hmm. of course, it brought a lot of negative emotions and feelings from my past up. And so I had to find a way to deal with those before the, it dealt with me. It was destroying me. And so don't go into a relationship until you understand who you are and you learn to love yourself. You learn to forgive people for what they've done to you so you can let that go and let it be history. I had a lot of work that I had to do, and I only wish that I had done it a lot sooner after leaving the house than later. And so Mm -hmm. that's one of the things I try and teach people now is to let it go. Stop being a victim. What happened is over. People sometimes don't even remember or understand the capacity that they hurt you. So why Mm -hmm. would you be angry with them? Perhaps they've asked God to forgive them. Maybe they've asked for forgiveness and, and you weren't ready to accept it, but they tried. Perhaps mm-hmm. they passed on. They're no longer on this earth. What, are you going to stay mad forever? But it affects you your go. health. It's mm-hmm. negative. It's negativity breeds more negativity. And a lot of times we're angry with people that some of them just don't care. Yeah, never gonna I mean, it's, it's really insignificant. So at what point do you say, you know what, I'm, I'm toxic, I'm, I'm not being the best Morella that I could be? You know, let me let me start to fix some things. What, at what point in your life do you start to make your transformation? You know, it happened when I had my son. And <laughs> that was, it, it, I was 23, almost 24 years old at the time. And I said, boy, I don't want to bring him into the cycle. I knew it was a cycle. I knew it was mm-hmm. negative. And I knew how I felt. And that's number one. You really have to be truthful and respect the fact that you know who you are. So don't mm-hmm. try and hide it. Fix it. Mm-hmm. And I knew I was damaged goods. But it didn't mm-hmm. mean I was going to stay damaged forever. 
So I had to make a choice. Do I want to bring my child into a world and throw him into the cycle that I just fought to get out of and I still haven't completely gotten out of? And so the answer was no. And from that point, I began to change my life, and I changed it through my relationship with God. Only that okay. way it was worked for me. Okay, okay. So is that your, I mean, because I'm assuming you help a lot of people. And, you know, we have to be realistic that um, a lot of people that we help you know, are not always uh, God-based. Do you have any tips or tools for how to heal if, if you don't have religion, if you don't have God, if you don't have a creator in your life? That's a good question. But fortunately for me, the people that I work with, they are Christians. Okay. And they need to basically renew their faith or strengthen it, but they have that foundation just as I had it. And so um, I've met people, you know, that don't have that faith, and if you don't have it, it doesn't mean you're a bad person. It doesn't mean you can't forgive. You know, if mm-hmm. you're an atheist or whatever your religion is, that has nothing to do with forgiveness. However, I think it's easier when you have faith, period, and that faith leads you to believe that it will happen. You believe yeah. in the unseen, the unheard. Something that has has yet to exist in someone else's mind, but you believe it can. And when you have blind faith, that's when you can let go because you know mm. there's something better. You know, I always liken it to um, the Charlie Brown character. I think it's Linus with this, the blanket. You have to have something to hold on to to get you through. You know, I'm kind of unsure. I, I really don't know if I'm going to make it today. Uh, you know, this, this is I'm a little shaky on. So you have to have something to shore you up. And, you know, your faith most often is is that thing that will keep you, you know, moving forward and making progress. Absolutely. Because for me, it works in the way that faith is what, having faith and believing in something unseen, unheard, uh, to me, especially after everything that was taking place, that's what pulled me out of that house with a healthier mind than what I should have had. Now, with that and body, but with that being said, God was showing me what I didn't want in my life. And mm-hmm. I could see that. He gave me the gift of discernment, and he gave me the gift of intuition. I followed my God-given intuition when I was able to tune into it. I had to tune into that so I could hear his message, what he wanted me to do, more clearly than what I was doing. And so understanding, you know, I was awarded uh, mm-hmm. Oprah's Ambassador of Hope back in 2009, and I tell people because they say, what does an ambassador of hope do? And what I tell people is I teach people that hope should lead you to, lead you to absolute faith. That's where you Mm. want to end up, is where you have absolute faith. If you keep having hope, that's all you may ever have, is I hope this is going to happen. It's not faith. It's not resolute. So when it leads you to that point that you can say, I am going to make it happen. This is what I'm going to do. I can accomplish it. You use completely negative, uh, negative words, they work against you. Completely positive words, they will pull you through and take you to exactly where you believe you want to be. You'll get there. And so I teach people to believe and have faith, and faith is the absolute concrete. Awesome, awesome, awesome advice. With that, we're going to take our uh, commercial break. Uh, Stay tuned. We'll be back with more Morella Scott right after this. Let's return to Don't Box Me In with your host, Lana Reed. 
Welcome back. Welcome back to Don't Box In. I am spending the morning, afternoon, wherever you're at, with Miss Morella Scott. And before the break, she had mentioned uh, that she is Oprah's ambassador for hope. And so I just want to ask, you know, how does that work? Does Oprah call you on the phone and say, hey, Morella, you know, I really love what you're doing? Or how did you get involved with all of that? It was pretty cool because back in 2009, I had just finished um, promoting In Our House, and I was speaking about the warning signs and indicators of an abuser. So one of my platforms was to teach people, instead of getting into unhealthy relationships, how do you alleviate that? Why don't we talk to our young men and women about alleviating that by looking at the warning signs because they're there. And so in sharing those, I received a call um, asking me if I would want to be one of her five worldwide ambassadors of hope, and I was truly honored. And so in doing that, it allowed me, you know, to continue doing what I'm doing because this is my passion of teaching people how to overcome adversity, how to avoid it, how to follow their God-given intuition, and how to forgive. So that's what I do in that capacity, and it's, it changes lives. It educates people. It's something that I love to do because it's something that I wish that I had had in my life. And so instead of saying no one did it for me, why don't we do it? Pass do it along. for others. Do it for yeah. others. Make the, make the path a little bit shorter for, for other people to get to their healing. You know, wonderful, wonderful stuff there. Now, um, I've been listening to you, you know, as we've been talking and then, you know, I, I've read your website and everything. One of the, the foundations, one of the things you preach is forgiveness. And, um, for me personally, as I've gone through life, forgiveness has been very uh, vital for me when people do me wrong or hurt me. You know, I'm very good for, you know, going to the person and say, you know what, I forgive you for what you do. I wish you the best in everything, you know, and then I, I move on. But I found in this process of forgiveness, one of two things usually happens. You know, either the person that I've, you know, wished the best to and say, hey, I forgive you. They still want to continue on in this little angry, you know, kind of pit of, of emotions or they assume that my forgiveness means that I've forgotten um, and, and that can create sort of a still a sort of toxic interplay between me and the other person how do you how do you uh, suggest people go through this forgiveness process and come out on the other side you know whole and healthy because you are in a situation with people who are you know maybe not whole or healthy themselves Absolutely. Well, for me, what I was able to hold on to is that it wasn't about them to begin with. <laughs> so when you start thinking, you know what, I have to get myself in a healthier place. How do I do that? You're more mm-hmm. important than anything. So if you don't get yourself in a healthy place, you can't extend that, that healthy demeanor or attitude to others. And what I did is I said, you know, I need to forgive everyone that hurt my mother, everything that happened in that household to let it go, or I'm going to carry all of this and have terrible relationships. It even affects your career, your mindset, mm-hmm. your children, everything. Every aspect of your life, it invades, mm-hmm. even your health. And mm-hmm. so in doing that, I never said, I've forgotten. Let's let it go and forget <laughs> about it. I said, let's let it go so you no longer have power over me to hold me emotionally hostage. Now, if you're still angry with that person because they won't let it go, then truth be told, you haven't let it go. Mm-hmm. You truly sure. haven't done it. And so... The best thing to do, there are some people that truly, truly, when you, you apologize to them or they apologize to you, they, they really mean it. It hurt them. Because mm-hmm. sometimes it's a growing you know, process that people have to go through life. They may do something in their teens or their, their 20s or 30s, but by their 40s or 50s, they realize they did something wrong and they truly want forgiveness. I mean, if we can sit and pray and ask God to forgive us for things we've done, why would we not pass that courtesy around you know, to, along to others? 
And mm-hmm. what happens when your child comes to you and says, Mommy, your dad, you know, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do this. Or you have to ask your child for forgiveness for something. Mm-hmm. Does that mean your child should, um, you know, just pass along that unconditional forgiveness to you? But <laughs> you are unable to teach it and extend it to others? That's quite mm-hmm. hypocritical. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, it's something that we have to do for ourselves more so than anything else. And when you learn to do it for yourself for the right reason, it'll come quite natural, naturally with others for the right reasons. And it won't be, even if they're angry, that's between them and God or, or them and themselves. That's it. But it has nothing to do with you anymore. So you have to let that go. There yeah, may be you, more going on in their in their life than you know about. has nothing to do with you. Let it go. Yeah. I mean, and I think this is the part that people struggle with when it does, when it comes to this, this topic of forgiveness, because a lot of times you have to forgive people that you love, you care about, um, that have done you some harm. So it, you have to kind of disconnect and distance yourself. And, and that's the, the troubling part because I'm still kind of involved with this person somehow or another, because like in your case, that's my father, or maybe it might be a husband or whatever, but in order for me to forgive and, and be the best emotionally healthy person that I can be, um, you know, I have to forgive you. Sometimes that causes a disconnect and I have to move on to make my life better. And I think that's the balance that people kind of struggle trying to figure out how to work that out. It's either you or me. Well, you know what the bottom line is? Sometimes God connects and disconnects us all the time. Mm-hmm. And you're not supposed to try and plug yourself into something or someone that God's unplugged you from and mm-hmm. let it go. And just because they're family doesn't mean they can't and won't continue to hurt you. True. So it's good to kind of say, I acknowledge that you're in a state of pain, but you may never know what's, what that is stemming from. We're not psychics. We don't know what caused it. <laughs> and if we think we know, we could still be wrong because there could True. be another layer. And so sometimes dysfunction, it can be mental and it can be caused by something that happened in the past. Bottom line, it's still mental any way you look at it. But True. you have to say, if you're not healthy for me, you have to cut that relationship off. And if you feel that you have to keep yourself bound to that person for some reason, then the way to do it is keep it, you know, topical, kind of superficial conversation. How Mm -hmm. are you today? And don't go deeper. Don't go into anything or any avenues that are going to offer and breed pain. Let it go. Leave it alone. Don't take the bait. Good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. Now I want to start talking about uh, the book that you've got. I think this is your most recent book. I've mentioned it a couple of times. In Our House, Perception Versus Reality. Why Perception Versus Reality? Well, In Our House is actually my first memoir. And okay. um, I've had four books since then, and my latest one is Intuition. That comes out March 31st. Okay. But perception versus reality is because people often, when they go outside of their home, they allow you to see the perception they want you to see, but it's often not even close to the true reality. How many mm-hmm. times do you see a woman that may go out and, and, and wear makeup and cover her face, but when she gets home and takes it off, she looks completely different? Mm-hmm. The same thing. I mean, it can be with everything. You know, you, how many times do people go out there and they put on a face and they're driving great cars, but behind closed doors, their finances are in shambles. They don't have anything or they're struggling behind closed doors. What about the little boy that goes to school and he smiles all day long and he goes home and as soon as he walks through the door, he's punched in the head. So mm-hmm. we have to understand that we have learned to be a false society where we let people see what we want them to see and then we need their help. They don't believe it because we've presented this grand illusion of ourselves. That's yeah. part of the problem. We have to stop doing that and let people see what it is, who we are, and see the truth about us. Because how can we facilitate healing if we're hiding? Mm-hmm. It's impossible. Mm-hmm. 
Now, you've come a long way, you know, and and you teach some wonderful tools and tips to people. But do you ever find yourself, you know, it, it might be a bad day and Morella's right back to where she was before? No, I never go back to where I was <laughs> before because that was really an ugly place. When you come mm-hmm. out of the pain and dysfunction that I did as a child, um, people can't even imagine how I would heal from that, let alone be able to let it go. But once you accomplish that, why would you go back to such an ugly place? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I have days where most of the time I'm smiling, I'm happy. That's just my life <laughs> right now because I don't keep any negativity around me. I choose not to. Can my spirit be disrupted? Absolutely, if you allow negativity to come through your door, which I don't. I close the door on it. I can sense it coming. I can see mm-hmm. it coming. You can feel it coming, and I refuse to play. I don't have time for games. So mm-hmm. I stay focused on the things that God wants me to, which are things that are important in my life, meaning inspiring other people, helping other people, healing. If you have a bad day, I go get a cup of tea, and I sit down and listen to my music, and it's all flushed out. Mm-hmm. Music is a healing agent for me. Walking <laughs> along the beach is a healing agent for me. So I keep them handy all the time, <laughs> and I'm in a happy state. <laughs> you have to know how to, you know, change your mindset, because I can feel it coming on. I say, you know what, time for my music, or uh-huh. time to go to the beach. And I tell my husband, we need to take a trip. And he goes to the ocean, absolutely, we got to go collect sand dollars. You know, uh-huh. but it's, it's therapeutic for me. And you have yeah. to know what can help you heal and be in a happier you know, state. You have to know where to find peace. And peace yeah. is within you. So I don't allow it to be disrupted. Thank you. You know, I tell people all the time, especially, you know, at the age that I am now, nobody deserves my peace. You know, I mean, and it, it, yeah. it is a constant battle. Like, no, it's either, you're not going to be in, in my mix because you're going to take away from my peace. And a lot of people don't understand why I distance myself from either, you know, this activity or this person or this topic or whatever, because I feel like it's going to be upsetting to my peace because once you evolve and once you grow, man, that, that peace is such a treasure and you refuse to give it up. You refuse to give it up. Absolutely. I got chills when you said that. That's how I feel. You're not taking it. It took me a lot of years to find it when it was always residing inside of me, but it was buried by a lot of calamity and pain. And so when you find it, you dig it out and you're like, wow, this is what life is like. This is what it should be. You are mm-hmm. never willing to sacrifice that for anything. And so, never. you know, I do hold on to it and I do find myself the same way you are. Um, I protect it and I'm guarded in, in the fact that I will give, I will do, I love you know, what God gives me to do, and I do it obediently and graciously because it's who I am, but I will not allow anyone with a negative demeanor, you know, disposition that wants to remain a victim. I'm not the person that can help you. I can help you if you want to help. I cannot make you change. I don't believe that people can change people. I believe we can inspire. I believe we can encourage. We can assist, but I don't believe that we can change you. You have to want that change in your life, and You can change or God can change you, but I can't do that. So if you're not willing to do that, I can't let you come into my realm and stay here and disrupt what, you know, I have here. I love my life. And the way to do it is protect it. Protect your peace, like you said. That's right. You know, I tell people all the time, you're not going to suck me into your (laughs) vortex of dysfunction. I'm not not going there with you. I'm not going there. Oh, yeah. Let go of my hands. Bye. You know, but it's like, if you want me to save you, hold on. I'll pull you up. If you want to go in there, let go. Yeah, you're not going to drag me down in that mess with you. But, you know, it's all the time. I just, you know, and like I said, it's it's a process. You know, where I am now, I'll be 45 in July. Where I am now versus where I was at 20, you know, Lana had no clue about the importance of all of these things, you know. So I I thank God for, you know, maturity, you know, but um, 
it's just it's just something that you treasure and you value and you're like, wow, all those years I was just clunking my head up against the wall. This is how life is supposed to be. Right. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I say, I wish I knew then. You know, we always yes. if I had known that this is what I needed to do, I would have changed a long time ago. And I wouldn't have to wake up every morning or in the evening. I actually take blood pressure medicine. Why? Because I didn't do it soon enough. And so that's one of the things I tell people from experience. It affects negativity, affects your health, your livelihood, Mm -hmm. everything. But it's easier to release those things. And it actually takes a whole lot of work to hold on to it. A whole lot of work. Yes. Let go. Let it go. Just let it go. I mean, and you will be amazed at how how beautiful life is. You know, I I wake up in the morning and I just appreciate the fact that, you know, oh, there's a window right there. Like, you know, little stuff just seems so much more significant to me now versus I would overlook those kinds of things, you know, back when I was uh, carrying a lot of extra weight around and, you know, mad at this person or letting this person affect me or whatever. So life becomes more beautiful when you when you heal and you become whole. And I, I you know, it's an it's a feeling that. You know, you can explain to somebody as you're guiding them through the process. But when they realize it, they're like, oh, Lana, this is what you were talking about. And I'm like, yes, this is where I was trying to get you to. You know, I love that you said that because, Lana, when I, I look out the window, I see deer in the backyard. And mm-hmm. and it's such a beautiful, peaceful thing. And my second book was called Surrounded by Inspiration, which was born out of the first one. Because I believe, although everything that was it seemed negative in our house, we were surrounded by inspiration, and the inspiration was um, in so many different ways. We just couldn't see it because everything seemed so dark, but it was there. The fact that we had our health, we you know, escaped that home and that life, and we're still here today, there was things that was pulling us and protecting us, but we didn't realize it. And I tell people that all the time that we have inspiration. If you take a little boy who's battling cancer and you walk through the hospitals, if that doesn't inspire you, you're a very selfish person. Mm-hmm. Look at the women that are out there and they're raising children on their own and they're struggling and men that have a lot of different, you know, problems that are suffering from abuse as well that when people don't talk about, you know, we mm-hmm. don't acknowledge. But these are the same little boys that were perhaps beaten by their mother or by their father and they grow up to be men that carry that, you know, negativity with them. But look at these people offering the help to others to encourage, to inspire. We are surrounded by inspiration. There's so many good things to take out of this life. If you wake up and you can walk and pour yourself a cup of coffee or move across the room, you have your mobility, your eyesight, the gift of sound, the gift of touch, and you're able to just say thank you, that's inspiration in itself because you have more than most. And so there's always someone that has it worse than what we do. And if you focus on them instead of your own plight, you'll see it, you'll feel it, and you'll learn to appreciate what we do have. Nothing truer than that. Nothing truer than that. With that, we're going to take our last break of the day. Stay tuned. I'll be back with more Morella right after this. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, hello. I am so blessed to be talking with Miss Morella Scott today. She is Oprah's ambassador for Hope. Um, had a wonderful time, and um, we have so far we've talked about her life, um, where she came from, where she's evolved to, and along the way we've mentioned a couple of the books that she has out. One of them is In Our House: Perception versus Reality. The other one is Surrounded by Inspiration. You mentioned you have another one coming out, I think, at the end of this month. But there's also another one floating around called Bad yes. 
<laughs> bad to the bone, correct? You got it. That's cute. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's um, bad to the bone is a powerful story. I do ghostwriting as well for people, but bad to the bone was about um, a young man who battled leukemia at the age of 25 and his powerful journey of overcoming that until he was able to uh, receive a bone marrow donor when he was told by doctors that he wouldn't survive. So I love to do inspirational stories that empower people, that teach them something, that guide them, that share something that connects them to a layer of their life one way or another. And it leaves you with something um, that's really empowering. It's, it's just a mm-hmm. beautiful thing. So that's, that's what we do. Okay. Okay. So you mentioned you do ghostwriting. Um, so you, you take on other people's life stories and, and write about them all the time? Is this something new or frequent? Oh, oh it's quite frequent. I just finished four books. <laughs> okay. okay. And, uh, there, a lot of them are being released um, this month. Actually, a couple are coming out next week. And um, they're beautiful stories. They're powerful stories. But I love that people allow me to go into their life, you know, unzip their soul, see what's in there, and share with me what they want to share with the world to inspire other people. And I love it. It's a way to get it out. It's therapeutic. It's healing in so many different ways. But sharing your truth can sometimes help people connect that need it the most, that need to understand that there is a way to overcome adversity. There is life after things like that happen. There is a way to release yourself from remaining a victim the rest of your life and how to empower yourself and then pass that along to help others instead of holding it captive to be in pain the rest of your life. So that's one of the things that we do. But um, it's uh, Seraph Books is where I do a lot of my, uh, all of my ghostwriting through. And so the stories we have, uh, amazing. You know, and I want to say, you know, I want to give you a compliment because I like to give my sisters, my fellow sisters a compliment. That speaks volumes to who you are as a person because it takes a lot for a person to come and say, you know what, I'm going to be naked in front of you and share who I am, my ups and my downs and my life story, you know, with you so that you can, you know, give it to the world. So, I mean, that just that's really speaks to who you are as a person. And I think that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Well, thank you, because (laughs) I love when they come here. They actually I'm in Ohio and I'm in California quite often, but my clients come to a cabin I have in Ohio and uh, they come and sit with me and spend (laughs) three or four days and we talk about everything. I take in their (laughs) eye movement, their hand movement, every gesture that they have so I can put it into their story so you can feel them, not me. And (laughs) they tell me things that they say most people would ever, ever, um, you know, know about them or they never have shared before. And sometimes those things don't make it into their story, but it helps me identify with what path they want to take in telling their story. And so it's, it's amazing. It's really a phenomenal, phenomenal thing that we do and, um, and sharing. So I'm, I'm proud of the people that actually share their stories to help others. It's phenomenal. Good stuff. So these book, uh, these books, Bad to the Bone and In Our House and Surrounded by Inspiration and the one you have coming out in March, where can people go and get them? Um, intuition is an amazing story following your God-given intuition. It's my first novel. That will be available on Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, iTunes, everywhere. And all okay. of my books are as well. So thank you for asking. And you can get okay. them on my website at um, marilascott.com. Okay. And, you know, you, uh, I was on your website because uh, I always like to kind of research my people before I talk to them on the show so um, I can get comfortable with who they are and everything. You you have this thing called um, Free Your Mind Retreat. What What is that? Well, you know, what? I do annually a retreat that people come in, and it was really cool. And I'll tell you this story, but I'll make it brief. Mm-hmm. Um, I, did a, I did a retreat here at the cabin where I do all my writing, and I had mm-hmm. women come from all over the world. I had some come from Norway. You know, they came all mm-hmm. over the country, and they just came in for a weekend. They got in Friday, stayed through Monday, 
And what we did was we did uh, yoga. We did things that really help you focus on you instead of your children, your husband, your boyfriend, your family. Mm-hmm. It was all about them. And mm-hmm. their favorite flowers were in their rooms when they got there, uh, little gift bags. They did yoga in the morning. We had, you know, dinner together, nice reception. We do journaling. I teach them how to get things out and journal things that you're feeling about yourself that you want to share to begin the process of, process of learning how to stop holding on to negativity. We did some fishing, went out on the boat, you know, and oh, it was okay. really amazing. But we, we um, bonded. I taught them how to bond with one another instead of tearing each other down, how to pay compliments, how to learn to work together and find healing in yourself so you can be happier. And then we obviously discussed, you know, the books and things mm-hmm. in my writing in my life. And I taught them and showed them how I transcended to um, overcoming the adversity in my life. So we did so much in that weekend. But it mm-hmm. was interesting because three years ago when I did that, my first one, um, I found out that it was two days, a couple of days before I did the retreat that I was actually having brain aneurysm surgery. <gasps> and oh, my wow. neurosurgeon, he implored me not to have it to cancel the retreat. And I refused to do it, and I did it anyway, and I'm still here. So <laughs> There you go. So, so he ain't finished with me yet. I got things oh, yeah, to do. Exactly. <laughs> so I go what God says I go. But, you know, he did an amazing job because I had the uh, brain surgery only two days after that first retreat. And so that's mm. what we do on there. And it, it's really teaching women how to liberate themselves from negative emotions because okay. we all encounter them, whether it's in your career, in your personal life, it happens. And then when you learn how to alleviate it and, and get rid of those emotions, it teaches you to heal. Okay, so your retreats are, are strictly for women then? Yes, at this time. Okay, okay. And so um, I guess... Is there one coming up soon? How would somebody need to register, or is there one in the works? Yeah, we have them every year. It's they can go on. They have the dates listed on my website, and um, there's a contact information to find out when they are. And sometimes we move them around different parts of the country. But I love our cabin here. Um, it's very, very peaceful and beautiful. It's right on the lake where you know you just kind of wake up in the morning and you have nothing to think or worry about. So sometimes that's how we need to create our lives: is find some kind of thing that can give you peace. And once you Good. realize and you see it and you have a chance to experience it in a healthy way, you don't want to let go of that. And so the women keep in touch with one another. It's really a neat thing to this day, and I like that. So Amazing. You're doing wonderful stuff. So real quick, tell me, um, I know you said once again that you have the book coming out at the end of the March. Uh, where else can we find you coming up in the next few months? You know what? I'll be actually promoting that um, nationwide, that book, Intuition. I did it with Alyssa uh, Curry. She actually co-authored the book with me, so we're going to be out speaking, sharing it, and it is powerful. It is, it's got a little bit of romance in it, too. It's a psychological okay. thriller, but it's built on, uh, based upon true events that have taken place in our lives, so it's pretty cool. Okay. Looking forward to checking it out. Uh, so... Uh Looking forward to that. And as usual, my hours go so fast. Miss Morella, we are at the end of the show for today. Uh, my guest has been Miss Morella Scott. Please, please, please be sure to visit her website, morellascott.com. That is M-A-R-A-L-A scott.com. Morella, I've had such a wonderful time with you today. You are, you are truly a treasure. Well, thank you. I've had an amazing time with you too, Lana, and it is awesome. So I love your perspective. <laughs> Thanks for sharing it, and I love your platform, what you're doing and offering others. Thank you. Oh, thank you, dear. Thank you. That is all for this week's show. I'll be back next week at the same time. Until then, remember when it comes to your dreams, the words can't and won't should never slow you down. There's always space to change and to grow. Don't be boxed in. Live your very best life. See you next week. <laughs>